brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down episode number 97.0. And we are beginning, continuing, and finishing uh, our playthrough of... I guess the full title is The Dark Picture Chronicles Man of Medan. A quick wiki. I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it. Is it Medan? I, I was calling it Madan. Madan. Man of Madan. Medan. Like Milan, but Medan. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a southern way of saying it. It doesn't play a huge part in the game, so I don't think it matters all that much. Yeah. yeah. At least um, not mine. So, uh, yeah, uh, Matt, uh, he's joined us this uh, this evening. Uh, this is so we Hello. originally we yeah we were originally going to do Dead Space three. Uh, unfortunately few things happened and we couldn't get together to co-op it i really want to co-op this game with you matt so we decided to hold off on it and um we're gonna go back and kind of do the tradition of the past three years of playing a game in december and doing a nightmare before christmas so i think that's what we're gonna do for our scary game but we figured hey you know what there's plenty of other scary games out there. And Matt brought up the fact that, hey, we could do Man of Medan. And I was like, you are absolutely right. And that's an easy one to do. So, yeah. Uh, this one took me two play sessions to get through. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, so, our history... Uh, with the game itself. So this game actually came out last year, late last year. Last August, I think. Yeah. Um, on uh, Xbox One, PC, and PlayStation 4. Uh, created by Supermassive Games. Uh, and uh, I, th- I think the only other game they have under their belt is Until Dawn, right? I think so. I mean, that's certainly where I, uh, you know, where I heard of them, and uh, I think they've got. Let's look at this. They've got the Inpatient. That's a prequel to Until Dawn, I think, but it's VR. Yeah. Yep. A couple of years ago, twenty eighteen. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So my history as far as Man of Medan goes, was I was following this as soon as they announced it. Because they said, it is a spiritual successor to Until Dawn. 
Um, and I absolutely adored Until Dawn. Me too, and and more than I thought I would. I mean, I, I kind of thought I would like it, but I don't know. It just had kind of, uh, you know, it was nice and campy. Uh, almost like what we were looking for last year a bit. And, you know, this, I think, knew it was a little bit campy. You know, it was playing into a lot of the horror stereotypes, and it was, you know, it was just a fun, fun game. Absolutely. I... Man, like I, I played through Until Dawn three times. Played it once by myself. Played it a second time with my buddies who came over. And we were doing the whole pass the controller around after a chapter kind of thing. Yeah. And then I played it again with my wife back whenever we were still dating. And I don't know what it was about Until Dawn. That is the one game that she loves we tried other <laughs> games we have we have tried other games she loved until dawn so much she said let's do some more scary games because i really liked until dawn and scary movies yeah well well <laughs> we, 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 do, we do scary movies on occasion um but but she she was never interested in video games much but with until dawn she she legit enjoyed our time with that game. And I played the entire thing. She never touched the controller, but she loved it. And I let her make the choices and kind of stuff like, what do you want to do here? You know, and she'd make the choices. Um, but the, we never were able to get that lightning in a bottle again. She wanted to do scary games. I, I, I was like, what, what, you know, I said, well, here's here's a whole list of scary games. Which one do you want to try? So she originally went with Silent Hill Downpour. No, Silent Hill Homecoming. Mm-hmm. She she said she saw the she saw the picture like the the cover of the game, and she's like, that looks kind of creepy. Let's do that one. So we went out and purchased Homecoming, which I had played before. Um. We made it probably 15 minutes into that game and she said, not turn that off. <laughs> She's like, I, I don't, I don't, she said, that's way too scary. Uh, too scary. I was going to say, I was going to wonder if it was too scary or too gamey, right? Because, uh, until dawn certainly plays out, you know, more cinematic than most, most games would. Yes. Um, so it, it kind of fell down from there. I mean, we did play a few games together, uh, and she's watched me play a few games. Um, here and there, but nothing to the extent of Until Dawn. Until Dawn was like a a a week long event. She'd come over, we would play about an hour of it. This is while we were still dating, um, and it was you know until we beat the game kind of thing. But um, yeah, uh, and Man of Medan was same thing. So I was excited for this. In fact, I even told Ken, I was like, look, I want to review this game. Like I, I, I want to review this, and he he requested it. We got it, and he gave it to me for review. I reviewed the game, and it it was kind of like a little event. I had my my um my sister in law, my brother in law were over. Uh, I uh m- me and my brother in law for the most part were the ones that played. Like we mm. passed we passed the controller around. Um, and we got about halfway through the game before he got like, you know, it was, it was, it started getting late and we we're like, ah, hey, we gotta go to bed. Um, 
But of course, you know, they, they left. So I went ahead and finished the game so I could get my review done. And, um, I asked when I, when I decided to go and finish the game, I asked Laura, I was like, Hey, you want to, you want to come in here and, and do some anime Dan? She's like, I'm good. She's like, I, I, that one's not really calling out to me. I was like, okay. I was like, it's the same people who did until dawn. I mean, it plays exactly like until dawn, but she couldn't get on board with it. Mm. So, but yeah, I've played this before. I've reviewed it before. Um, and that was, that's pretty much it. I, I knew, I knew exactly what I was getting into. I loved until dawn and I was like, I'm probably gonna love this game too. So, uh, Matt, what about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I had the same kind of lead into it. I just haven't hadn't played it before. Uh, you know, I, I kind of knew that I would pick up this game as soon as it was announced, just because I, you know, I really enjoyed Until Dawn. Uh, a little confused about what they were doing with it, right? It's it's a first episode, but how many are they going to have? How much of a game actually is it? If it's just an episode, uh, so you know, a couple of question marks going into it, but kind of. Regardless of all that, I was like, yeah, whatever they've decided to do, I'll, I'll, I'll check it out at some point. Uh, so I, I picked it up. I guess I've got it digitally and the, the disc. Um, I, I've, I've loaded it up a, a few times and, and just never pulled the trigger on actually sitting down and playing through it and just kind of thought, you know, it'd be a good sub in because it, you know, it's probably going to be easier than other games as well as reasonably short. So. Slotted in here, yeah. I mean, that didn't have too much else as a lead-in other than yeah. Look, look, looked forward to playing it, and uh, and now have. So you you bought it day one. Uh, I I didn't buy it day one. I think I bought it. You know, I think I had, what I had done is looked into it, and I'm like, all right, it it seems like a little bit of a tough sell. So I think. Uh, at full price, and so as soon as it dropped in price, I picked it up. So it released at what twenty nine ninety nine? I think. I th- was it twenty nine? I thought it was thirty nine. It might have been thirty nine. I can't remember. Um, and that was one of the big things for me. I was like, well, even if we don't get this for review, I'm buying it. Um, yeah, because the it was it has a, it is at a lower price, and they have been pretty much you know kind of transparent when it came to what this game actually is. So, yep. and that's what kind of, what I had, I had, um, you know, when I finished until dawn, I was thinking I want more of this, but not the same setting. And I was like, wouldn't it be kind of cool if they released a game every couple of years like this and it was <laughs> a completely different setting, almost your like anthology. your anthology twilight zone episode or, you know, uh, one of them could be about vampires, and then one could be about werewolves, and one could be about ghosts. Uh, you know, and, and and you know, I was like, this is this would be the perfect thing. Then, as the trendsetter that I am, they come and announce the Dark Picture Chronicles, and hey, that's exactly what they're doing. They're doing bite-sized games that. Uh, are horror themed, but all have a different setting, different characters, different story altogether. And when I heard that, I was like, I'm bored. I'm on board. Whatever game yep. they release, I'm going to buy it guaranteed. And I didn't realize the next one's supposed to come out in like two weeks. 
Uh, is it two weeks? October 30th is what I see. Uh, I'm pretty sure they pushed that back. Yeah. I I, I'm pretty sure they did. Even though at the end of this game, they give you that little preview of it and saying coming in 2020. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure they it got pushed back due to coronavirus and stuff like that. I think they, they had some setbacks there. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, Man of Medan, I, I'm, I'm completely on board with this. I'm completely on board with the Dark Picture Chronicles. Um, the only thing I hate is that I miss Peter Stormare so much. Yeah, me too. I really wish they could have got him back to be the host of this. Um, the guy who is the host is okay, but he's not Peter Stormare. Um, and I would, I would, I would assume that the biggest star in this is Sean Ashmore. Ashmore, right? Yeah, probably. I don't know any of these other actors. I don't. Yeah. Think. No, I, I, I don't, I don't recognize any of them. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, so that's one thing we do need to mention is that until dawn and. Uh, Man of Medan have real actors in it. It's not live action. Uh, they basically use mocap for everything, and but um, they use real world actors to do this. Sometimes they are people who you may know. There's sometimes they are actors that you know have been in a few movies here and there. Some movies you've probably never seen before. I mean, Until Dawn was a step up as far as cast goes. Absolutely. Uh, across the board. Yeah. You had you know, Peter Stormare. You had... Uh, uh, Remy Malik. Remy Malik, who was hadn't hit his big stride yet when, this, yep. when that game came out. But when that game came out, all of a sudden he's in every damn movie he ever made. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, Hayden... I can't pronounce her last name. Yeah. Panetary. Panetary. Patierny. Panetary. Whatever. Um, which at that time, the cheerleader, yeah, the cheerleader at that time, that was the like the most recognizable person. I knew Peter Stormare. Um, but yeah, I mean, I kind of love Peter Stormare. He has always been the character actor. He's always either played a Russian mobster <laughs> or Satan. <laughs> That's the only thing I could think of. Um, but uh, yeah, th- definitely the cast was was way up there for Until Dawn. But uh, yeah, so Man of Medan. Um, eh, for those who are uninitiated, uh, this and Until Dawn is kind of like an adventure game. In fact, it feels a lot like a Telltale series game, like The Walking Dead or the Tales from the yep. Borderlands. Um, you are given choices. And they really push the fact that your choices actually matter. Uh, they affect the outcome of uh, certain things, including whether or not a character in the game dies. And it's one of those games where, oh, this person can die and the game just keeps going. So it's in the same vein as like Telltale or Quantic Dreams games. Um, as, um, as Jay Lee once said, uh, during the game of the year that uh, uh, game of the year show that uh, until dawn came out he uh, until dawn was in his, on his list and he said that uh, if um, 
Oh god, what's his name? Uh, the guy from uh, Quiet Dream. David Cage. David Cage. He said, "If David Cage was dead, he would be rolling in his grave of how good <laughs> Until Dawn is compared to his games." <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, uh, the, the game basically revolves around making choices, uh, talking, like dialogue options and stuff like that, as well as uh, simple quick time events. Uh, and quick time events matter. If you fail, yeah, if you fail, certainly do. Yeah, if you fail some quick time events, it could very well mean the death of your character. So uh, you always have that looming over your head. Um, but yeah, uh, Man of Medan uh, is about this group of mid twenties, early twenties to mid twenties. Group of adventurers who are going out on a small vacation on a diving expedition. Uh, they are particularly looking for wrecks, uh, like uh, plane wrecks or shipwrecks or something like that. Um, we're first introduced to Brad, who is the younger brother to Alex. Uh, Brad is kind of like the nerdy guy. Yeah, um, a little bit fidgety and yeah, wears glasses, so it must be the nerd. That must right? be the nerd, right? Yeah, um, but uh, he has actually tracked down a um, a wreck, an old wreck from World War Two, that uh, he thinks would be a really cool dive to see if we could find some stuff. Uh, Alex, who is the headstrong brother, uh, he is. Um, Really trying to impress his girlfriend, which is Julia. Um, and uh, because Julia and her brother, Connor, are going to be joining them on this expedition. Uh, Connor and Julia come from a wealthy family. Alex and Brad do not. He wants to impress uh, both Julia and uh, Connor because... Conrad. Or Conrad. No. Connor, Conrad, Connie, they call him all sorts of names, um, which we should say Conrad, Connor, or Connie, same person, yeah. is all played by Sean Astmore, Ashtmore, I keep saying Astmore, uh, <laughs> Sean Astmore, who uh, you may know from the X-Men movies as Iceman. I think that would be his biggest claim to fame. Yeah, I think so, isn't it? Couple other things, right? Frozen and yeah, um, and he was also in another video game. He was in um, uh, Quantum Break as the main character there. Uh, and recent, more recently, he was in The Boys as Lamplighter in season two. But uh, yeah. Um, so they're going on this diving expedition, uh, and, uh, the, uh, what was the name of the boat? The Duke of Mul Milan, 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 not Mulan, the Duke of Milan, uh, is, uh, being, uh, captained by a potentially shady character by the name of Fliss. Uh, so I don't know if you got this, but, uh, you find some, uh, 
some credentials of hers playing as Alex, where it obviously looks forged. <laughs> yeah, like she's made them herself. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, this is weird. Um, but we find out after playing as Fliss that, um, well, um, she's in a little bit of trouble debt-wise, and she's trying yeah. to make as much money as she can so she can pay off this boat. But these are our main characters. Uh, these are the characters that we will be alternating playing as. Um, and, uh, uh, in fact, so you have the option when you first start the game to play solo or to play with a co-op partner. So there's actually three ways to play it. There is solo play, there is online co-op, and then there is a kind of like couch co-op, but it is you pass the controller. Uh, in fact, the game will tell you, go ahead and pass the controller to the next player. Uh, it's the, the developers realized, uh, hearing people's anecdotes from until dawn that a lot of people sat down with a group of people and played it just like that. Played a chapter, passed the controller, played a chapter, passed the controller, and they wanted to have that in their game. So they added that little feature in. But the online co-op is actually pretty interesting because the online co-op, both people are playing at the same time. So me and Matt could be playing together. I'm playing a part. Matt's playing a part at the exact same time. We're not seeing the same thing. So there's plenty of times in this game where characters split off into different sections of the story. It's happening at the same time. But you're basically seeing what the other characters are doing at the same time. So is it that – because this game also has the, this curator mode where you can see a number of scenes from the other person's perspective. So I assume that if you're playing online and you've got two people, one, one person's playing the, the curator mode version of scenes. Yes. And one, one person's playing the regular version. That's correct. Yeah, okay. Um, so you're never left out if you just play solo. You can always go back and play it again in the curator mode and see the other stuff. Um, and considering that, this game's kind of jam-packed for 40 bucks. Yep. There's a, there's a ton here. Um, and there's a ton of reason to play through it a second or even a third time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which is easy to do since it's only four or five hours long. Yeah, four to four and a half hours tops for me. Yeah, I, mean, I came in at just under four, I think. Yeah, it's it's not very long. It's it's about as it's a little bit longer than a feature length movie, I would say. Maybe a Lord of the Rings extended cut, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's if you're doing a lot of exploring. Um, so yeah. And the more you do, the more time it takes because they don't walk fast. They do not. And there is a run button, but it's not a run button. It is more of a just to kind of shuffle a little bit quicker button. <laughs> Slightly less slowly. Yeah. And I held that thing down the entire time. <laughs> but, um, Matt, you played on PS4, correct? I did play on the PS4. Yeah. Okay. I played on Xbox One. So I need to ask you a question. When there were times that you were hiding, while you were hiding, did you have to do a button press or did you have to do the until dawn thing and hold the dual analog, not the dual analog, but hold the, the dual shock still? 
It was a button press. Okay. So they a lot changed of that. that. It was the heartbeat button press? Yes. Yes. So it was a lot of tap, 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 tap. Right. So if you remember correctly in Until Dawn, they made you hold the controller still and make sure that the little light bar symbol stayed inside the the outline. Um, and I figured when I first played this, because I had the Xbox version, I was like, ah, they don't have motion control in this controller, so they had to do something for this. So they made it a quick time kind of rhythm action game. Yeah. But kind of find out they did it like that for all versions of the game. Yeah, maybe that's the same reason, right? They're just to keep it consistent between the the various platforms. That's what I would assume, too. But, uh, yeah, so... I did want to ask that question because I didn't know how it worked. But, uh, yeah. Um, so I should I should backtrack a little bit. Yeah, you just start off with a prologue. Yeah, yeah. We start off with a prologue. I, I was getting into the main characters. Um, so we start off in 1947. Seven. Is that 1947? Yeah. Uh, during World War II... Um, we are playing as a U.S. soldier, uh, Joe. Right? I think's his name. Yeah, yeah. You got you got two, you got the two people there, but yeah, Joe is the main one. I think. Yeah, yeah. Joe and Charlie. Joe and Charlie, um, and they are stationed in Shanghai, I believe. Is where they're at. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and off the coast of Shanghai, um, there they have their World War Two. Um, Frigate, I guess. Or yeah, it's just kind of like a, a military ship, a warship. Yeah, a military warship that's stationed there, uh, and we play as as uh, Joe, as he is drinking with his buddy Charlie, and um, uh, spending money, getting his fortune told, and playing uh, boxing games with this little dummy. Um. The first thing I found strange was that Joe, who was in the U.S. military, who speaks with a very thick, fake southern accent, knows exactly what these Chinese people are saying in Mandarin. Yeah, maybe he's been stationed over there for years. I mean, it could be. I don't buy it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyway, uh, so they get drunk. uh, They're like, okay, we got to go back to the... Got to go back to the uh, to the ship. They go back to the ship, and uh, they start fighting over money. It's like, hey, you owe me fifty cents. Nah, nah, I don't know you crap. They start fighting. Here comes the commanding officer, the CEO. Bam! Cold cold cocks him right in the face. Joe's knocked out. Other guys being thrown in the brig. Joe then wakes up. Um. And uh, for a split second there, he notices that the doctors are looking over him and some other people, and they're talking to him. He doesn't understand what they're saying, and then he passes out again. When he wakes up, all hell has broken loose on the ship. Uh, There are multiple dead bodies, uh, some of which have been shot, some of which have been stabbed, some of which have not been injured in any way. Uh, he's finding dead bodies that look like they have literally been scared to death. Yeah, uh, always a good setup. As you know, what what has done this? What what's going on here? Yep. So, uh, 
uh, as we're playing as Joe, uh, he starts seeing weird stuff, particularly a child running around on board this military ship that is now out at sea. Yeah, it should certainly not have children. Yes. I immediately thought something was weird, though, when they got, you know, when they got kind of knocked out and locked up, because I'm like, I guess I, I don't really understand. Are these are these the only two that were out drinking? Were they not supposed to be, you know, if this is the end of a, end of a tour, you know, I wasn't quite sure what the situation was, but the fact that they would get nailed just for being drunk, I thought was like maybe something else is going on with the ship and it's not just a straight military ship. Well, uh, a little later on, you do find some uh, reading materials, which mentioned that the uh, commanding officer of the ship had issued that there would be a no drinking policy for the duration of the uh, trip. Mm. And I think that's the reason why. Yeah, that would, that would do it. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, Joe is seeing some weird stuff. He finally runs back into Charlie, who's in the brig. He lets him out, and they both carry on uh, going through the rest of the ship, finding more dead bodies. Crazy stuff is happening. They're seeing stuff, uh, relatively creepy stuff. There's uh, other people screaming on board. There's gunfire. Um, so something is obviously going on on this ship. Uh, at one point, we have to hide from the commanding officer who is standing there with a machine gun. Yeah, waving around. Because he is freaking out. And everybody's <laughs> just like, okay, he's lost his freaking mind. Um, so we're going to sit there and hide from this guy. This is where they kind of introduce the hold your breath moment kind of thing. Um, but uh, needless to say, at the, once we get into the cargo hold, that's where things take a turn for the worse. Uh, Charlie, unfortunately, is uh, missing. He gets separated from Joe. Uh, we run back in and find Charlie being, well, taken away, dragged away by something, and probably brutally murdered. Uh, at this point, um, they're able to find a gun, and uh, you play as Joe. He has the gun, and we give we get basically our first real choice, which is uh, we see a little boy with a really messed up face <laughs> run into a locker. And we have the option to either shoot the locker or do nothing. What did you choose to do? I did nothing. And what happened when you did nothing? Uh, I don't remember. What did happen? Uh oh. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. So I chose to shoot the locker. I unload into the locker, and um. It slowly opens, and this boy emerges with a really messed up face. Ghost demon dead boy. And he makes Joe have a heart attack. Basically, he jumps up on, jumps up in his face, scares the crap out of him, and he falls over of a heart attack and, ha and dies with this horrible look on his face. 
Yeah, I think it was pretty similar to that. Okay. I, I, if I remember correctly, I think um, Justin Solani, I was talking to him about it. He said he didn't shoot. I think he said that the boy jumped out of the uh, jumped out of the um, the locker with a knife and stabbed Joe and killed him. <laughs> and that kind of makes sense. A little bit later on. So. Uh, now, we cut back to the diving expedition. To back to 2019. I guess 2019. They, they don't actually specify. I think they just say present day or whatever. Um, but yeah. Uh, we're playing as these, what, six characters? No, five characters. There's Brad... Alex, Julia, Connor, and Fliss. Yeah. Fliss. Yep. Five. So, um, yeah. Uh, everybody's excited going on this big diving expedition. Um, they are, uh, you know, really looking forward to uh, maybe finding some buried treasure if they want. Um, of course, Fliss is not happy about that. She says there's rules. You really shouldn't be messing with, you know, shipwrecks or anything like that because you know people died there that's a it's a sacred area you know you shouldn't be disturbing you know somebody's resting place very superstitious of her yeah um, and, and aggr- aggressively so yeah yeah fliss is very aggressive at the beginning parts of this game but um yeah so everybody Which I, I assume was intentional to make it look like she might have ulterior motives or have something else going on. Otherwise, I'm not sure why she would be so adamant. I think they do that for a reason. Because something... A little bit later on, um, they bring it back up. At least for me, they did. Um, So, uh, everybody's gearing up for this, you know big dive that they're going to be doing uh unfortunately brad is seasick so he goes and chills out below deck um but alex and julia are ready to dive um at this point we're getting a few choices here and there uh so they give you these choices it's usually two options with a third option being say nothing um, which I don't think I said, I don't think I ever chose say nothing ever in this game. I, yeah, I, I know. I only did it once in the whole game. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I don't think there's any, anything that changes your bearing as they, as the game calls it, because, um, when you make a choice, it's essentially like, oh, this person will remember this or this will change your fate. Uh, they have like this, you know, you made a decision that's going to alter the ending or the fate of this person, essentially. Yeah, you spend a lot of time just kind of looking at things that give you, the player, some information, but don't seem to affect the game all that much. Right. So, um, I guess the big first thing that, that we have to do is do the dive itself. 
this point we have two different crews. We have Julia and Alex going down in a dive um, to this plane wreck that they had found. Uh, then you have Brad, Connor, or Conrad, and Fliss still on the Duke of Milan um, awaiting the divers to come back. Uh, so if you play the solo mode, um, you're going to play as Brad and Julia, not Brad, uh, Alex and Julia as they go diving. There's a few jump scares here. Just a couple. Yeah. There's the not... one with the eel. Yeah. Um, and there is a choice here, uh, of looking for something. Uh, so there is... I believe a manifest uh, that you can find, but you have to like as you're playing as Julia, but you have to take off her rebreather, which allows her to you know breathe underwater. Uh, and in doing so, it could uh, you know get her injured. Um, and you have to do a quick time event properly. Uh, I was able to do it properly, uh, and everything went fine there. Um, uh, this is obviously a World War II uh, plane that had went down. Uh, it had been shot down. And uh, it seemed like everybody on board died. Uh, they were all still kind of locked up in the uh, in the plane itself. Yeah, sitting in the chairs. Yeah, sitting in the chairs. Um, but there's a couple of things we do find. Uh, there is... Uh, we, we can investigate a bullet, which then is... What we realized brought the plane down. We can take that with us. There's a couple other things. Uh, do we have to do what Julia does and break the freaking plane? Uh, I didn't really see a way around it. I didn't see a way around it either, but I'm just like, why would you do that? Why would why would you pull on it? She pulls she she gets into the cockpit and she pulls on the the was it the rudder, the controller? I don't know. Steering wheel. Yeah. And she pulls on it and makes the plane almost break in half. Yeah, at least the cockpit like comes apart and falls. Yeah. And there's no option to not do that. And I'm just like, why? You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, even if... Even if they didn't really care for Fliss's, you know, uh, ad adamant about because she, she she repeats a few times, "Don't touch anything, do not touch anything. You shouldn't even be going down there. You know, don't don't leave any mark that you have been there." I mean, what was done with the with the throttle seems a bit beyond what you would just do, even if you were being mildly careful about what you were doing. Yeah. It's just, you know, it was kind of super reckless. So while they are down there uh, diving, uh, we cut to up top with on the boat with Fliss and Connor. Uh, and we play as Conrad as uh, he is trying to flirt his best with Fliss. Um, and... Uh, as this is going on, uh, no, no, you play as Fliss, excuse me. Uh, 
And as this is going on, we notice a boat pulls up to um, to the ship or to the, to the to the the Duke of Milan, and uh, some really shady looking characters show up. Uh, they actually run into the boat because they hit the the dive line. I guess I don't know what that is. They hit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the dive line, the guide wire. Yeah, and um, and they run into the boat. Well, one of the guys who has a who obviously looks like a bad guy because he's missing an eye and has a glass eye. He's really upset and says, "Hey, you damaged our boat." And they're like, "Well, you're the idiot that ran into it, coming like a bat out of hell." Well, Conrad <laughs> kind of doesn't care, and he, uh, you know, he's rich. He doesn't care. He's like, "Here, how much would it cost to get it fixed?" And he starts throwing money into the water. Like it means nothing to him. And these guys on this boat are looking at him like, is this guy serious? <laughs> uh, and the whole time I'm playing as Fliss, I'm like, just get out of here. Get the hell out of here. What are you doing? But um, <laughs> uh, I remember the first time we played this, Like my wife, she was like, what is this idiot doing? Why is he doing this? It's like, can you make him <laughs> stop doing this? But um, so he's 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 kind of showboating, and um, uh, showing that hey, we got money. Um, but uh, yeah, the uh, we uh, during that time we then cut back to the divers, Alex and Julia. Um, and after Julia you know, breaks the freaking plane in half, we're saying okay, it's time for us to go up, you know, return. Because we almost had a plane break on us. Uh, as we are surfacing, we notice that there are actually two boats in the water above us. And then all of a sudden, there is a fire. An explosion breaks off of the Duke of Milan. And they're like, what the hell's going on up there? Oh my god. And Julia is freaking out. She's like, we gotta go. We gotta go right now. And yeah, she wants to rush up and, and see what's going on. Yeah, and we're playing as Alex. Alex is like, you. so you have to make the choice. Either, all right, what's going up? Or, nope, we got to wait. Because if we don't wait, we'll get the bins. You know, there's a, a decompression time. You have, to, you have to decompress before you surface. I don't know how this stuff works. I've never dove before. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a sol- solubilized gases in your bloodstream. Yeah. So I think when you when you come up too quickly, the gas expands and you get bubbles in your blood. I think. Gotcha. Okay. <clears throat> so uh, what did you choose here, Matt? I said let's stay down. Okay. Uh, on the first pass, and then the second time she asked, I said, all right, let's go up. Gotcha. I said stay down the entire time. Um, nice and safe well well, I I put it this way I've played this game before so I knew what was actually going on (laughs) Um, yeah yeah I guess yeah I guess if you know not to go up there's no reason to right you know it's not that big of a deal it's not that we're being attacked by the three guys on the boat right so uh uh when we surface, uh, we see that uh, Connor and 
uh, Flisser standing there uh, next to the uh, the barbecue, and uh, like, what the hell was that explosion? He's like, God, oh, we just we lit the we lit the uh, we lit the coals, and they kind of exploded. We put a little bit too much lighter fluid on it. And I'm like, oh, okay. What the hell was that boat about? I'm like, yeah, hey, it was just some guys. They ran into us and and then drove off. I'm like, okay, whatever. We thought you guys were like getting killed. <laughs> um, and uh, that's kind of like the big first chapter break, I believe. Or is it yeah, afterwards? I was surprised they weren't really like named and numbered more obviously. I feel like is the game divided into chapters and then acts or acts then chapters. I feel like that's how it is because I feel like act one and then you have the narrator talk to you act two narrator talk to you act three narrator talk to you at the end. I I feel like that's how it works. Yeah, I think so. Um, but, uh, but this isn't the end of the first act. The first act is, is what happens later on that night. So, um, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I hate to do this, but I feel like we have to skip a few things because we, we're not even through the first act and we're already 44 minutes <laughs> into this podcast. Um, so I'm going to try and hit the, the big points. So the, the first big thing that happens is, is after we surface, um, you know, everybody's kind of sitting around and talking and stuff like that. Um, but the big thing that happens, and this is something that I forgot to mention, is, but while we're diving, as we're getting ready to come back up to the surface before the explosion happens, um, we have the option of proposing to Julia. Did you propose to Julia, Matt? Uh, no. You didn't get that option? I, 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 I it was clear that he was going to, but I, I, I think I would have chosen yes, but I don't remember him actually saying, yeah, actually proposing. Hmm. Okay. Well, I, um, I, I, I said I do. <laughs> So Julia and uh, Alex are engaged for throughout the rest of the game for me. No, they, they definitely weren't for me. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, there is an achievement slash trophy for getting engaged. <laughs> you don't have to survive the engagement? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, no. no. No, it pops as soon as you say yes. But, um, yeah. Um, so... Uh, later on that night, um, as everyone is sleeping, uh, unfortunately, someone comes aboard very stealthily, and uh, they take everybody hostage because, well, they have knives and guns, and we don't. Um, and come to find out, it is the same people who were from the boat earlier. I guess they kind of figured that, uh, well... They could, uh, they, they, they could probably get some money out of these people because Connor's just throwing money in the, uh, in the water like it's no big deal. Um, so they take everybody on the boat hostage and then kind of hijack the Duke of Milan. Uh, what, 
What was the reason here for this? Why did they do that? Yeah. I, I'm assuming because Connor had a bunch of money throwing it out there and they figured they could probably do it as hostages. Okay, because I, 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 I thought I missed something here, right? Because there's a few different things, right? Either they're just out to pirate people. Right. In, in which case, yeah, okay, that makes sense. But I, I, I don't know. The the Duke of Milan's a pretty small ship out there in the middle of nowhere. You know, them. did they just accidentally happen upon them? That I don't know. Or, yeah, I, I, yeah, maybe it doesn't matter, but I just, it seemed like, was it just a coincidence? And did they not have any intent to to pirate them until they came upon them? And then the idea, you know, and then did they not find any money, so they decided to take them hostage? Because it doesn't, you know, later on you learn there's no real intent to kill them, and then things just kind of spiraled a bit. Yeah, things kind of spiraled. So, so my, so here's what happened in my game, because if you play as Julia, you, uh, and if you find that piece of paper, that manifest that she went after after she took the rebreather off. She finds manifest that mentions there uh, is Manchurian gold out there in the water. And uh, during right before we go to bed that night, they have Brad basically find coordinates that, that is mentioned on this. And they're thinking that they could do another dive the next day to find this Manchurian gold. Yep. So uh, after the... Uh, the hijackers kidnap everybody. They're looking on the ship and they see this and say, Oh, you guys are looking for gold, huh? Well, now you're going to take us to it. And that's basically what's going to end up, ha- what ends up happening. But they don't think of the monkey wrench of us trying to escape. And so while we're trying to escape during a storm, we then, bam, run into, well, the USS whatever. So the big thing here that can happen, you're playing as Conrad. Uh, there's a few options here. The first one being, do you let Conrad escape? And I said, hell yes, he's going to go for help. Okay. So did Conrad escape in your game? Well, he tried to. Uh-oh. <laughs> Didn't get very far. So he, he got killed, did he? Yeah, he was uh, speedboating away and then got, a, got a, a bullet in the back, I think. Ooh. So on my first playthrough, Conrad escaped properly. Apparently, that's a really rare achievement. I think only like 7% of players got that one. Apparently, oh, really? Yeah, apparently you have to do everything perfect. I don't know how I did that. Yeah, I think I was only one button press away from that. Did you fail a QTE? Yeah, at the very last second. Oh, man. Yeah, because I had done everything. Like, you know, I got him... You know, I got him untied. I got him out the window. He crept along the side of the Duke of Milan. 
He could have jumped in to intervene in a fight, but I had him go for the boat. He made it into the boat. He, you know, he powered it up. He was speedboating away. Uh, and then the guy with the glass eye shot him in the back. Mm. And it was, you know, it was a, I was, I was not, you know, I, I was watching this unfold. And then, and then the QTE prompt came up and I just like reflexively like spasmed and hit the O button, but I was supposed to hit the triangle button and he died. Well, actually, I didn't know that he died. I knew that he got shot. Right. I didn't know that he was dead. I still, throughout the rest of this game, assumed that he was going to come back with help. Mm. He did not. Until the until the end of the game, and then no, they... until the end of the game, and then you get a scene that confirms that he did not not make he it. He did not make it. Yeah. Yeah. You just see his boat floating out there, and then there's a bird who just pecked his eyeball out. Nice. So, um, yeah. Uh, so, well, so, so my Conrad story was pretty short. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to Sean Ashmore. He, uh, you, you killed the most high high profile actor in the uh, in the game, Matt. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, so uh, in my first playthrough, he escaped. My second playthrough, I said, I don't want him to escape, but I also don't want him to die. So, I deliberately failed a couple of QTEs here, mm. uh, and he got caught. So, he gets to go to the nice big ghost ship. Um, so, uh, what ends up happening is, is during the storm... The Duke of Milan um, runs into this giant warship, the same warship from 1947 that we saw at the beginning of the game. That's just been floating around for 70 years. Exactly. Um, and still has power and still has gas yeah, and the generators. Still on? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I have some issues with this. But anyway... Um, so, uh, I, for some odd reason, I guessed the hijackers, which I should say, what's the hijackers' names? So there's Junior, there's, oh, I can't remember the Olis? Asian. Is that one of them Olis? Olsen is, is the Olsen. main guy. Olsen yeah. is the guy with the glass eye. He's the, he's the head honcho. And Danny? Danny. Danny's the other guy. Yeah, Danny. So, um, they all think it's a good idea. Hey, there's this weird, like, rust bucket of a ship just floating out here that nobody's ever seen before. Let's board it. So, they force everybody to board that ship. And that is the end of Act 1. Uh, we get the, uh, the nice little cutscene with the narrator talking to us about our choices. He even offers up a hint. Uh, did you take the hint, Matt? I did reluctantly take the hint. Okay. I, I didn't want any help. Uh, I took the hint and then breathed a sigh of relief because it was no help anyway. <laughs> so, um, it's it, yeah, it, it is help at the end of the game. Uh, 
but uh, he he actually quotes Shakespeare and says that not not all that glitters is gold. And he says some things may not be as they seem. Yep. So I can buy that the ship was floating for seventy years. Sure. But it's clearly been it's not anchored, right? So who knows where it would be? So there's no expectation that they're anywhere near the coordinates, correct? Uh, that's correct, as far as I know. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they, they just ran into the ship out of the blue. It's not like they went to the coordinates and then the ship was there. Right. Yeah, okay. So, um, that is when... Um, we now take over as Alex, I believe. Um, oh, one other thing I forgot to mention. Uh, during this time, did you have Brad Hyde? Yep. Okay. As did I. So, as far as the kidnappers go, Brad does not exist. Uh, when Brad noticed that people were getting taken hostage, he hid in his bunk up under his bed, and he didn't board the ghost ship. Yep, he's a wild card. Yep. So, uh, as uh, right now with me, I have Alex, Conrad, Fliss, and Julia on the ghost ship. Yep, and I'm down to three. <laughs> well. So, um, uh, as we're exploring this uh, ship, some weird things start happening. Uh, slowly but surely, we start seeing some things. Uh, particularly uh, dead bodies everywhere. Uh, many of which look like they have been either shot or stabbed or, once again, scared to death. Um, and we're starting to find some more reports. Manchurian gold is most certainly on this ship. Oh, snap. So, looks like somebody's getting rich, but we don't know who just yet. <laughs> um, I, 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 I don't know how to speak about the rest of this, except for the fact that there is multiple parts where you can choose to either run or hide or something like that. They eventually, the kidnappers eventually lock everybody up in this room and we've got to, um, we've got to, uh, figure out a way to escape. Um, I can't remember which room it's in, but I remember there was one where, you know, throughout this whole game, you can pull the right trigger to pick up something. And you pick it up and yep. hold it to your face and you read it. And you can also examine it. Um, Flip it over. Yep. Yeah. There was one part where you picked up a piece of paper. And just like the 800th time that you've done this before. But when you go to put it back down, a arm comes out from across the table and grabs your wrist for a second. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they do a couple of those jump out scares. There's, a, there's one point, I think, when you, you, know, you open a casket and the same thing happens. A hand reaches out and grabs yours. Yeah. So there's a couple of subtle things and then there's a couple of like just jump scares. The subtle ones, I have to give it to them. They are fantastic. 
um, because it is, it's something, especially when I played as Conrad, I don't know if this happened in your game, but playing as Conrad, he had, uh, an encounter that I thought was fantastic. Um, so he is encountering what starts out. So it's very subtle. Uh, as you're playing as Conrad, he runs into a poster, an old poster that is a picture of a pinup girl dressed up as a sailor. Did you have that at all in your game, Matt? Nope. I did not. Oh, my God, dude, you missed out on some great stuff. So he's he comments saying, "Oh man, nice poster, you know, kind of thing or something like that." Um, and one of the subtle things is like you're playing as Conrad and you're just exploring, right? Uh, and there's static camera angles for the most part, um, but once you reach a certain part of of navigating, the camera changes. There is one that ever so slightly, right before the camera angle changes as you're moving, right there at the door that you're about to walk through, <laughs> the sailor pinup girl pops up, doesn't do anything, doesn't make a sound, no nothing. It's just a, a little flash. It's almost like <laughs> in it's like in Fight Club whenever Brad Pitt flashes on the screen for a split second there. Yeah. And it was just bam that. And I was like, oh shit. I was like, okay. <laughs> um and there's another part later on where you're going through the med bay, the med medical bay area, and there's those beds that are all next to each other. Yep. And as you're walking by, there's nothing there in the darkness, but when your flashlight flashes at it for, for probably a one point five seconds the pinup girls there kind of posing in this really weird way. And, <laughs> and, and comrade does go, ah! <laughs> but then it's gone again. <laughs> and Fliss is like, what are you screaming about? He's like, Oh, nothing, nothing. Don't worry about it. Um, but eventually he, he, he gets separated from the rest of the group and then gets stalked by this thing. <laughs> and, uh, it starts out, she she comes, like, he's in this room, and she's kind of dancing in front of him. He's like, what the hell is this? And as she, t like, walks up to him, her face slowly turns into, like, a, a ghost face. And then it turns into an old woman that's dressed up as a sailor. It's like The Shining. It turns into The Shining. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then eventually turns into an Until Dawn Wendigo. <laughs> <laughs> Almost, I'm just like, oh god. Um, but that was a great one, and I'll, I'll come back to that in a minute because this happens a little bit later on. Um, huh. uh, playing as Fliss, uh, she is being stalked by what seems like demons. So. Uh, the first big thing with Fliss that happens is she runs into what looks like a pristine ballroom. Grand piano, uh, uh, like little, like a nightclub setting almost. Yeah. Is this, was this the room with the stage? Yes. The room with yeah. the stage. And 
this is obviously out of the norm because, I mean, it looks like, you know, it's lit up. It looks like she just stepped into 1947, like, cotton yeah. club kind of thing. Yeah, like it's not decayed and everything else on the ship has been. Yeah. Uh, but there's some stuff that's off. Like, there's a fountain there that's pouring blood. And uh, there is a book sitting there. And when she opens it up, <laughs> it's full of satanic ritual stuff. So pentagrams and there's pictures of like you know demons in it and stuff like that uh and then well if you go up to the uh to the stays there there is a nice big coffin sitting there and um well you have the option of interacting with the coffin which is opening the coffin (laughs) and that's when the uh the coffin is filled with blood and a arm reaches out and grabs Fliss from the blood. Yeah. Uh, I got really confused after this part, and I couldn't tell if it was a glitch or if it was part of the unsettling nature of, of her psychological state. Okay. Because so, so I went through, I did this whole section, uh, and then I exited the I exited the room to go like out on the outside of the ship. And then it immediately cut to a scene where she was back inside that room. Yes. So basically what that was, was that everything was pristine. She walks outside, the, you know, and, and she's outside for the, like the first time since she's entered this, this whole place. Yeah. She's letting the rain drip on her. She turns back around and walks back inside and nothing's pristine anymore. Everything's rusted out like it always was. That's, that was the point of that. Yeah. It was played weird, though. Yeah, like there was something about the way it was cut that. There is multiple. What was happening. Yeah, there is multiple cuts in this game that feel off. I also had a bit of a glitch throughout the entire game where whenever I was walking left, the the left side of my screen would, would flicker white. Yeah. Don't think it was my TV at all. It was, it was just something about the edge of the screen when it was like loading things on the left side. I, I don't know. Maybe it was maybe it was just something about my install or whatever. I don't know. But I also had a glitch where I was playing as Brad with Julia, and Julia was controlled by the AI. She stood in the doorway, and I could never get past her. <laughs> she wouldn't move. She wouldn't do nothing. I had to restart. Luckily, it only it, it started me back where I like practically where I was, but she was inside the room this time instead of just sitting there at the doorway where I couldn't get in. Yeah. Um. So, uh, uh I, I mentioned all these encounters because of a few things. Uh, the first thing being is that while some of this is going on. Uh, it cuts to different characters, particularly Brad. Brad decides he needs to to buck up and uh, stop hiding and enter the World War II ship. So uh, we see him. How, how long do you suppose he was on the the Duke of Milan by himself? Um, it, it actually every time it switches to a different character, it tells you what the time is. I think he was in, on the Duke of Milan for about an hour. Yeah, 
I think that it was does, like doesn't seem completely unreasonable. Yeah, I think I'm pretty sure when we entered when we entered the the World War Two ship, it was like one forty a.m. And I think when he entered the ship, it was like two thirty something. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, so Brad makes it onto the ship. He is now separated from everybody. Um. Everybody else is on it, not necessarily on their own own. Uh, some of them get separated. Some of them um, uh, are uh, together, but they are all on the run from the hijackers, the kidnappers. They're looking for them. The kidnappers also took the distrib- the distributor cap from the engine from the Duke of Mulan. 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 I'll make a man out of you. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh, so we can't start the, 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 the boat back up. So the, the kidnappers have the thing we need to get the boat running. Uh, and that's one of the little quests that we're trying to do is get that distributor cap back. Also try not to get killed. Also try not to get caught by ghosts. But, um, harrowing ghost ship. Yes. So, um, Brad has now entered, and uh, he has a couple of options here. So, where he goes, there is a whole lot of this green fog stuff. Um, but he's, I don't know if you found this, Matt. Did you find a gas mask? Yeah. Yeah, because he goes to, like, a locker room and some bathrooms. Yes. I think it was in, in one of the lockers. Yeah. So you, you had him yep. with, with the gas mask? Yeah, because this was the one I, I think what happened is, you know, it, it was a, an available locker to search, so I did, and it was a scary mask, right? And then you walk away, and the locker pops back open. So like, all right, well, something's still in there. So I went back and looked at it, and instead of the creepy mask, it was a gas mask. Right. And so, did he ever use the mask? Uh, no. Okay. So there, he there... just kind of wore it on his shoulder for the rest of the time. Ah, okay. So there is a part in the game where you are allowed to put on the mask. Um, and, uh, it actually changes up a few things. I can't remember the specifics. Yeah. Having played it, it certainly seems like a use, (laughs) a a useful thing to have on the ship. Exactly. So, um, as you're playing through this ship, you start to notice there is this weird green mist fog stuff floating all around. Uh, it originally came from what looked like a bunch of coffins that were on the ship back in 1947. Uh, and we can't really figure out what this stuff is. Uh, but whatever, there's there's ghosts all over the ship, and also there's guys with guns. Yeah, it just automatically assumed they were vampires, right? When you've got... Because these, these, there's these four coffins that are loaded, but they're also like... Not just loaded to transport them; they're they're loaded in a bit of a 
you know, respectful way. Right there, you know. And there's one room. that has chains on it. Yeah, one. Yeah, one's got chains on it, and there's just four. Like they're taking up way more space than they need. Like there's a bit of reverence for these caskets. So you, you think something's in there, right? So, which obviously assumed vampires. <laughs> um. So I want to talk about the 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 encounters that everybody has. Uh, I'll start off with Julia. Uh, Julia uh, begins to see multiple versions of Alex. Uh, in fact, there is a part where Alex and Alex get into a fight. <laughs> yeah. And one of them starts uh, drowning the other one. And you have to choose. Uh, yeah, keep drowning them. Or, no, he'll drown. Which one did you choose there? I said stop, he'll, you'll drown him. Okay. Um, and so she's seeing multiple versions of Alex, her, her well, in my game, her fiancé, uh, one of which has the weird glass eye. Um, I've already talked about Conrad. Conrad had uh, this crazy, weird demon pin-up girl sailor thing chasing after him that turned into like this evil old woman uh, and it's chasing him around the ship we have Fliss who is seeing demonic stuff yeah uh, and uh, some really crazy weird ritual ritual stuff uh trying to think does Alex really see anything is there any encounters with Alex uh I can't think of any yeah nothing other than than just uh I I think he saw some just kind of generic demons and ghosts right right and then Brad's kind of the same way. Yeah, he just kind of sees quote-unquote demons. Demons. So, uh, I say all this to go back to Fliss. Because Fliss, uh, if you play as her and do a certain thing, you kind of get a pretty good reveal. So... Uh, we mentioned that she is in this pristine-looking nightclub-looking area with a coffin. We open the coffin. It's filled with blood. A hand reaches out, scares the crap out of you. She then leaves that room, comes back into it, and everything is rusted out just like it was on the rest of the ship. When we return to that coffin, it is now a very large crate and it's also labeled Manchurian Gold. And when you open it up, there is no gold. It's actually just a bunch of chemicals. And that's when I first played this game. I said, aha, gotcha. 
Did you get this, Matt? No, I never. I I went through that room, but I didn't go back to the crate after. Ah, you should have went back to the crate. Yeah, I certainly should have. There was a couple of things I know I missed in this game where I assumed I'd be able to backtrack, and I couldn't. Uh, so I just kind of had to book, earmark them for the next playthrough. I got gotcha. This was one of them. So while exploring the World War II ship, Matt, do you have anybody else perish? Uh, not until the end. Ah, uh, boy. Okay. So, uh, after all these crazy scares and stuff like that, one of the big things that happens is, is that Fliss and Brad finally run into each other. The only problem is, is as, I, as I'm playing as Fliss... Brad has a big wrench in his hand, and <laughs> he is attempting to knock the living crap out of Fliss. Luckily, I'm able to dodge out of these attacks, but I have the option. I have the option to stab him with a knife that I found, and I chose not to do it. At that point, it shows Brad's point of view. And the demons that he saw disappear, and it's just Fliss standing there. And that's when they kind of solidified the fact that, oh, not everything is what it seems. Yep, all makes sense now. Yep. So, uh, everybody eventually reconvenes with each other. Uh, I will mention one other thing that happened. Uh, you have Conrad being chased by the creepy pinup girl old woman. Uh, there is a part where he's finally escaping this thing. It's cornered him to the point where he is up on the top of the ship. And he is basically slowly inching his way to the edge and you have the option to either confront this monster that is chasing you or jump. I chose to confront. And as he is confronting it, the creepy pinup lady turns into Fliss. And mm. she says, what the hell are you doing? So, I somehow saved Connor from probably jumping to his death. <laughs> but uh yeah after that everybody reconvenes uh and they have a nice long little discussion uh before that though um when everybody makes it to kind of like this little safe area we get the end of act two and we get another talk with the narrator he offers us yet another hint, Matt. Did you take that one? Uh, I did. Okay. Reluctantly again? Yeah. Did this one help you out any? No. It didn't me either, because I already knew it. 
because he his his hint was that it seems like supernatural stuff is happening on this ship, but is it supernatural, or is there a more scientific explanation for everything? Yeah, because I you know I I, I still hadn't seen any evidence that people were hallucinating really, so I was like, okay, you know, a, a scientific explanation. It could be. You know, it it could be a, a virus. It could be that you know there was some chemical that that made people go deranged. It could be something, right? And you know, and turned them into monsters. Uh, so you know, I, I was thinking it was going to be not super supernatural, as in not demonic, but still monsters by some other means. Gotcha. So this is where. Um... When I first played this game, I was like, ah, this is actually pretty intelligent. So <laughs> instead of us making this, you know, holding it back for the end of the episode, I'm just going to go ahead and reveal it. Uh, th there actually are no monsters or ghosts on this ship. The Manchurian Gold was actually the code name for a bioweapon chemical that was used in World War II as an experiment to use against uh, the Japanese. Uh, and uh, the number one thing that it did was make you hallucinate to the point where things were so terrifying for you that you keeled over of a heart attack and died. And unfortunately, everybody who had boarded the ship has just got a big dose of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, I was avoiding the the mist the whole time, or aware of the mist the whole time, and just assumed that it was some kind of, I don't know, mutagenic poison or something. I didn't actually realize what was happening in this game until just about the end when, <laughs> when I made a, a poor choice. Oh man, I think I know the ending you got. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, yeah, I thought it was really intelligent because of the things that you see. So. Conrad, he saw that that poster of the pinup girl. Now he has this deranged freaking pinup girl chasing after him. Fliss yep. finds a book on demonic stuff randomly. Now she's seeing demons. Julia, her biggest thing was I've got my fiance on board with me. Oh God, he's the man I ha I trust, right? Why do I have a bunch of Alex's trying to kill me? But the thing is, is that everything that is chasing these people is real. It's just an altered version of what they are. So the reason why at the very beginning of the game when you're playing is Joe. You see that little ghost boy jump into the, uh, mm -hmm. jump, in, jump into the, um, what is it called? The locker. If you shoot the locker a little ghost boy comes out of the locker and scares him to death. If you don't shoot the locker, a little ghost boy comes out with a knife and stabs him. Come to find out that little ghost boy was actually Charlie with a knife. Yep. And 
and he's seeing his son like because when you wake up you see by his bed he's got a picture of his son exactly right and he's you know he's thinking about his son misses his son because he's out on assignment deployment so it all kind of makes sense yep it's a most of this I got kind of at the end of the game and and it, it was kind of a a nice tick up in my appreciation of the game Sure. Because up until this point, I'm like, yeah, it's okay. Uh, but when it all starts to click for me, I was like, oh, wow, this is this is pretty cool. So here's the other thing. And this is, I, I don't know this because I didn't get it firsthand, but I did get secondhand information. If you're playing co-op, anytime you confront or being chased by something, you're actually getting it by your co-op partner. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So, if you're playing as Fliss and you decide to stab Brad because he's trying to attack you, oh no, you just killed a character on accident. A character that I was controlling. So Yeah, yeah. And, and it's 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 interesting because that that can only be impactful the first time you play it, but it is a game that warrants repeat playthroughs, but you know, it's just kind of more incentive to play through the second time because you're like, I, it, I, it all makes more sense to me now. It's a sixth sense type of uh, second viewing. Yeah. So, after reconvening with everybody, we're like, okay, there is a radio tower on this ship. It looks like it's still working. I have an issue with that, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> um,. So let's try to make it to the radio tower and see if we can call for help. All right. Um, so uh, that's our next big objective. Doesn't take very long to get there. <laughs> uh, in fact, the last third act of this game is very short compared to the other acts. <laughs> yeah. Um, Even shorter if you, you're down a couple of people, I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, uh, when we make it to the radio tower, um, we find a military channel, and we have a few options here. Uh, we can uh, give coordinates. Uh, we can uh, name, like, hey, we're on, I can't remember what it was, the USS something. But um, we can say, hey, we're on the ship, and we need help. Um, or you can just give coordinates. I chose to give coordinates because I figured that would be a lot more helpful than just giving the name of the ship. Yep. Um, this, is that what you did, Matt? Yeah, I did the same thing. Okay. So, uh, but the the it go the uh, power goes out, and we got to figure out a way to get the generator back running. Uh, so. I have Brad and Julia go to the bottom to find uh, the generator. Brad kind of steps up here. He's like, I can do it. Yeah. I'm going to man up. And uh, I think uh, Alex has the whole bro moment of like, hey, man, I'm proud of you. You're doing good. Yeah. This to me was the counterpoint to... You know, the the scene early on in the ship where he's basically like, come on, don't be such a wuss. You know, don't embarrass me. Um, so, you know, I, I had a little bit of a strange... I, I thought their relationship was a little bit strange. 
it felt forced. Yeah, it felt a little forced. Like they don't, they didn't really, they really feel like brothers. Or you know, if they were, they weren't terribly close. And 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 if that's the case, there wasn't really much of an explanation for why, other than, you know, other than that they do kind of peg Alex as insecure. And so, you know, I guess it would make some sense that, you know, he he doesn't want his brother to embarrass him because he thinks that Julia would change her mind or whatever. Right. So, I mean, there's a little bit there, but it, it didn't it didn't feel terribly powerful. It did. It didn't felt like he, you know, he's had this epiphany or he's had this, you know, come to Jesus moment, and now all of a sudden appreciates his brother more. You know, I I, I just. I, I guess the the short of it is Alex just comes off as really unlikable to me, right? Not not as somebody who's insecure and you know can't get out of his own way, but just as someone who's kind of a prick. Yeah, but really only with the interactions with Brad. Yep. Yep. I don't know. That's true. Um, yeah, I just I just, I just just couldn't peg him really. I wasn't sure what to make of him. Which. You know, in, in a game like this, I, I'm never really sure if if that's the way he's drawn, or if because of the choices I've made, I've missed things that would would help shed light on his character. Right. So, um, with uh, Brad and um, Julia going down the lower deck, um, we eventually find the. Um, Uh, the um, generator. Um, we get it turned back on, and we start getting chased. Uh, at the same time, we do find the rebreather, one of the rebreathers. Yep. Uh, and I said to bring it with us. You never know when you might need it. Uh, unfortunately, despite Julia not wanting to bring it with us, yeah, Julia didn't want to bring it with us. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like even then, like even Brad said it the best. He's like. We're on a ship that's probably going to sink soon. Don't you think that would be something we need? Yeah. I was like, yeah, I think, Julia. Plus, you can wear it as a backpack. It's not like you have to carry it around and be tied up. But she carried it around. Um, but we're getting chased by a uh, good old um, One-Eye Willie. What's his name? Um, Olsen. Olsen. He's chasing after us. Still got that distributor cap. Um he ends up stabbing one of his own guys. Danny, right? Danny, yeah. Um, and throws Danny... I don't know where he throws him. He throws him somewhere. Uh, but then he starts chasing after us. The reason why is because, well, I fail every stinking heartbeat test here. <laughs> I'm talking every one of them. So I end up losing the rebreather because he's chasing after us. And we run uh, and close the door on him. But, unfortunately, we run into Junior. Junior is armed with a gun. Yeah, and going a bit nuts. Junior is going cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Um, and he uh, is seeing things. He is hearing things, but he's figured it out. He's like the green mist. The green mist gets inside of you 
and it turns you into something else. And I have to convince him that neither of us have breathed in the green mist. Yeah, I, I like his uh, fairly logical comeback to this. He's like, you held your breath the whole time? What about right now? Are you holding your breath right now? <laughs> and I'm like, a good point, because they're clearly not. Yeah. And uh, that's when he gets the realization. I'm like, yeah, I held my breath. He's like, you held your breath this entire time? For the past three hours, you've been holding your breath. He's like, wait a minute, I haven't held my breath either. <laughs> oh God, it's in me. And so he puts the gun to his head. Getting ready to kill himself. What did you do, Matt? I tried to distract him. Okay. What what, what happened there? Uh, it didn't work. Okay, he still <laughs> he still shot himself. Yeah, he shot himself. I tried to grab for the gun. Went for the gun. He pushes uh, Brad off of him, and then shoots himself in the head. So I think there is a way to save Junior? I think you can save him if you passed the quick time event with Olsen and still had your rebreather. Yes. I, I did not. I, the only time I failed the heartbeat one was that second time because they're, you know, they're kind of crazy close to each other and there's just a lot of them and, you know, I had, I was feeling good because I hadn't missed one yet, but uh, at some point on the second round with Olsen, I, I, I did slip up and then they, they ran. I slipped up every time. I only only passed three of these the entire game. The first one, the one with Brad where Olsen's walking around in the bathroom. Yep. And then there was one other one, but I can't remember what it was. The last three, two with Olsen, or actually three with Olsen, one, uh, two with Brad and one with Alex. I felt them all. <laughs> so, um, uh, unfortunately, Junior shot himself in the head. He is dead. Uh, after that, we then play again as Alex. And we have more options to talk to, to get help before the... I, I guess it finally just dies. The, the, the radio just dies. Yep. What option did you choose here, Matt? I gave them the name of the ship. Okay. The orangutan or the or, orbalang or Yeah, something like that. I can't, I can't, I can't ever remember it. I did not. Uh, I said that, uh, the, there's, uh, crazy people on board <laughs> trying to kill us. <laughs> Please send help now. Uh, and, uh, they said, okay, we got your location. We're on our way to you. Cool. We got the military after us now. Just got to survive. Yep. Just got to survive until dawn. But, uh, that's, that's coming up really close because, uh, Alex, um, then runs into Olsen. (laughs) Yeah. What, what did he jump down for? To help out? Yeah, he jumped down to try and find some things that could help them. He said that there's probably some equipment I can use. Oh yeah, here. just yeah, no no particular reason, but yeah, we've got some space and time, and I'll go I'll go searching. Yeah, uh, and he runs into Olson. At this point, Olson has went full on insane. Yeah, he has a sledgehammer he's swinging around. He also still has the distributor cap. We really want to get that distributor cap. 
so uh yeah uh this is when Alex finally starts seeing some major stuff happen uh so uh not only is he having to make sure he's not getting sledgehammered by Olsen he's also getting chased by certain things uh he sees the ghost of his brother Brad at one point yep he has a horde of rats coming after him um uh, it's almost a, a comical non-confrontation with Olsen. Yeah. And he just kind of... I think he sees us and gets scared or hears us. Yes. Wanders off and then dies yes. by himself. He, di- he dies by himself. What actually kills him? A uh, heart attack. Is that what happened? It was just a heart attack? So. Yeah. So um, we, we run find Olsen's body it is completely covered with rats that are eating his flesh in retrospect I really don't think those rats were there <laughs> yeah don't think so um, because we have a bunch of quick time events with rats jumping on us and we have to knock them off <laughs> which I assume then if you know if the game logic stands that if you fail that nothing happens possibly because they're not actually there or the rats fall on top of him, and he thinks he's completely covered with rats, and then dies of a heart attack. Or he falls back and trips over something and breaks his neck. <laughs> I mean, there's <laughs> there's so many ways you could kill somebody doing this. Yeah. Um, but I was able to survive all that. Got the distributor cap. Bam, we're good to go. But as we're getting ready to leave this room, bam. A two-headed, giant, like, ugly tumor mass person with two faces attacks us. Which we have seen once or twice before in the game, just kind of silhouetted once, and then, uh, I think from the back once. Yeah. And uh, This is one of the things I assumed was going to be stalking us for the rest of the game. Yeah. So it finally makes its attack. It's right there in the doorway. And we've got uh, a uh, kitchen knife. And we have to stab it. I chose not to stab it. I said finally I can kill this demon. (laughs) Because I think there was the... Was this the point where there was a choice where... There was like a, a rat burst through my chest, and I could—I think I could either stab the rat or I could stab the demon. That's correct. And I so, said, I'm not stabbing myself. I don't think the rat is real. I'm going to kill the demon. Okay. So I chose to not do anything, and he snaps out of it. Yeah. Obviously, in hindsight, the right thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> so what? who did you stab? Bliss. Yes. Re- repeatedly, three t- three different times, I think. Oh, so she was God. She was well stabbed. She was well dead. Oh man! So Alex killed Fliss. Yep. Mm. But he's still alive. Still got his distributor cap. We're good to go, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's the yep. last confrontation. Yep. So, um, yeah, 
Uh, I did not stab Fliss. It, it, he snapped out of it. Fliss is standing there. She's like, hey, you okay? And he's like, yeah, something weird's going on. She's like, all right, let's get the hell out of here. And we all leave. So uh, we got the distributor cap. Get back on the Duke of Milan. And we have Brad, Alex, Julia, Fliss, and Connor, or Conrad, sail off away into the suns or not sun into the sunrise excuse me and credits begin to roll yep that that's what happened to me except obviously fliss wasn't there and also then i got that kind of five second cut scene of conrad just floating that, the... that was your that was your final scene yep well final scene until after the credits okay what what scene did you have after the credits? Uh, after the credits, I had... After the credits, I had the military board the ship. They finally yeah. showed up. Yep. Uh, they went wandering around the ship. And then... There were two of them, and then they got attacked, I think, by... Danny? Yes. And he he had Olsen's, like, sledgehammer? Yes. And killed the both of them? Yes. That was exactly what I got. Danny was still alive. He was majorly hallucinating, and he killed those two military guys. I'm assuming he didn't live much longer after that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, uh, that was the ending that I got. So, according to the guide, I didn't go by a guide, but according to the guide... I got the official good ending. There is also another good ending with if for some reason uh, there's the conditions. All right, I'll tell you what. I've got it up right here. So you don't get a better good ending for having saved everybody? I mean, that's that, that was my ending. Hmm. So... Here are the nine endings to the nine official endings. I looked this up. It's, I don't know, the gamer website or whatever. All right, the best ending. Everyone survives and gets off the boat. If you want the best ending in the game, meaning all your characters survive and they live happily ever after far away from the ghost ship, you'll have to execute perfection. That means you'll need to hit every QTE moment and keep calm when appropriate. If this is the ending you want, you'll probably want to follow a step-by-step walkthrough. Um, some of the most notable choices you need to make to ensure Alex proposes and making sure that nothing happens to your distributor cap at the end of the game. Uh, I guess I guess the point there, because I had picked it up, and then right after I picked it up, Olsen's body like fell down a... Uh, elevator shaft yes that happened to me too so maybe if i hadn't picked it up because of the rats i would have lost it could that have happened yes that could have happened or yeah i think that i think that may be the issue um ending number eight or ending number two conrad saves the day this ending is Uh, not likely in my game (laughs) yeah This ending is pretty uh, similar to the game's best ending, except in this one, Conrad gets to have some of the glory for a change. If you recall at the beginning of the game, there is a moment during the raid 
of the Duke of Milan, where Conrad has a chance to escape on a fishing boat. He might not have gone that option thinking it would cause his death, but if you let him escape and you destroy the distributor cap, he'll return at the end to save everyone. Again, you'll need to keep everyone alive for this to work. Okay. Interesting. Uh, number three, Conrad gets stuck alone in the nightmare. This ending can be achieved the same way as the one with Conrad saving the day, except the key difference is you have to keep the the distributor cap safe. If you have it, the game will escape the ship. By the time Conrad arrives, it's too late and he's left there all alone. Technically, everyone survives, but poor Conrad winds up in a terrible nightmare. Next ending. This is the one that I thought you got. The military kills everyone. Like they survived but couldn't get off the ship and then the military kills them? Yes. (laughs) Shifting from a relatively good ending to a bad ending, there is, of course, an ending option where all the characters die but not technically by your own hand. What is so horrific about this ending that you might... uh, you think you might have made it out alive only to watch all the survivors get murdered by the military for this. That ending, would have been a kind of cool, shocking end. <laughs> yeah. For this ending, you'll have to tell the military the name of your ship, let the distributor cap get destroyed and keep Conrad with you. The military doesn't want the truth of the bioweapon escaping. So they systematically murder all of your friends. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> it's a little uh, bit like the mist ending. Yeah. <laughs> The next ending, you manage to kill everybody. (laughs) To be fair to the game, it's not that easy to kill all of your characters during your playthrough. You might mess up and kill one or two, but odds are you won't murder all of the characters before you make it to the end, unless you intentionally are trying to, or you seriously mess up. Yeah, I was going to say, I assume that's as hard as keeping everybody alive. Yeah. But if somehow you murder everyone before you get to the finale, you'll get a very weird post-credit scene that involves a mysterious version of Olsen with glowing red eyes. It is also possible to get this ending if you escape on the Duke of Milan or you don't contact the military but have fixed the distributor cap. Hmm. Everyone goes to jail. This ending is somewhat similar to the ending where the military shows up and kills everyone, except if you want to get this one instead, you need to refrain from revealing the boat's name over the radio. You will also have to let the distributor crap get destroyed. Uh, Then at the game's end, your survivors will be confused as to what they should do next when the military arrives. They believe they're saved at first, but the final post-credit scene shows them all locked up in cells. Next ending, Julia dies. This ending is pretty tragic. Early on in the game, when Julia and Alex are exploring the shipwreck alone, there is a moment where Julia panics. They are returning to the surface when they see explosions on the ship. Julia worries that Conrad could be hurt and wants to rush to see him. But Alex tries to stop her, warning her that if she goes too fast, she'll get decompression sickness, also known as the bends. If you let Julia surface too quickly, she'll die at the end of the game. Even if you get a happy ending, suddenly Julia will succumb and die in the middle of the escape. It's super depressing. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I actually read about that one because if you – I thought there was two parts to that, though. I thought you had to let her rise quickly and then also drink a beer later in the game. Hmm. And those two things were going to trigger her because I, I do remember – I do remember right after they came up, they were talking about it that evening. Yeah, and you have the option to – you have you're, – you're like you're passing beers out as Connor. Right. Uh, and I think I, I thought I read only if she drinks it and rose quickly would she would she die. But but regardless, yeah, that would be kind of a uh, kind of a interesting ending where you you know you're you're really happy you're just watching this play out. You're like satisfied that you've saved everybody, and then she just kills over dead. That's uh, that's pretty sad. Yeah, that would piss me off. <laughs> All right, next ending. Everyone remains stranded on the ship. If you fail to give the military your coordinates or the ship's name, Conrad doesn't escape on the boat and you destroy the distributor cap, then your survivors will all wind up stranded on a creepy boat forever. You'll be privy to several scenes of various members being driven insane inside or confronted by their evil counterparts. Yeah, I can't imagine they'd last terribly long on that ship. No. And then various character deaths. Finally, depending on who lives and who dies, your endings can be affected by characters struggling with grief. If Conrad dies and Julia lives, she'll be devastated by his loss. The same can be said for Alex and Brad if one of the brothers dies. If Felic- uh, it's interesting because I had Conrad die but Julia live, but she didn't know he was dead. Yeah, that's true. So she, so she didn't, she didn't feel that because he was just off by himself. Right. Uh, if Fliss dies, then someone else has to take over as captain of the ship. The scenes aren't necessarily an overall tonal ending. They occur regardless yep. of whether you wind up at the military uh, or free on the Duke of Milan, but they can cause subtle influences that will present you with new scenes. Yeah, it was for me it was Julia driving the boat. Oh, there you go. And, uh, yeah... That's the ending that I got. I got the the good ending where everybody escapes and the military show up uh, and then, well, two of them get killed by Danny with a sledgehammer. Yep. So I got most of the good ending? Yeah. There was a couple of of deaths in there. Yep. One accidental and one, you know, that that really solidified it. Because that... That's a pretty good scene. I mean, I, I guess, you know, there, there were enough hints that, you know, maybe I should have seen it coming, but that's a pretty good scene when you finally kill this demon and then you're like, oh shit, what have I done? I mean, you knew he was probably hallucinating, right? Yeah. Yeah, because of the mist. But what did you think it was he was stabbing? Nothing. Uh I think the choice there is to not do anything to get the right choice. Yeah. Uh, if you stab the rat, he probably ends up stabbing himself. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he would. And if you stab the monster, you stab Fliss. Yep. So, there you go. So what'd you think, Matt? It was a little bit of a mixed bag for me. Um, I, I did enjoy it. Uh, I enjoyed it quite a lot, but I don't think the characters were as good as Until Dawn. 
Uh, I think, I think the way that you can impact the game, like the the weight of your choices, is very good. But I almost wish they had gone one step further and actually had different backgrounds to what was happening. Right, the whole Manchurian gold as, you know, the the chemical weapon. You know, I, I almost wish that was just one of three or four endings where, you know, maybe on another one there actually are demons. And then maybe on another one, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe it was vampires in the in the caskets. And, you know, I, I almost wish they had gone that, like, you could play it and it would be a totally different story, not just different endings. Maybe that would be too hard to do, but... Um, or at least... At least, you know, the way Heavy Rain did where you wouldn't even find out who the killer was in a certain situation. I almost wish that you could have played this game and thought that the demons were real because you never found out about the the Manchurian gold. Right? Just, uh, you know, to really give a, a bit of a different perspective. I think if they had done that, that would have been, I don't know, maybe just maybe just more impressive, but. But, the, you know, the story that was there was good, you know, especially if you're only talking about a, a four or five hour game. I think they they packed about as much into it as they could. Uh, I like the fact that the characters I, – I really like the fact that the characters kind of see what's on their mind and that's what gets manifested into their hallucinations. Um, that gives it a much more personalized horror to the characters, which would have been – you know, absolutely amazing if I had cared more about the characters. Uh, I didn't, you know, I, I already mentioned the, the Brad and Alex situation. I, I just, I didn't really buy their relationship. Um, I didn't get all that much between Julia and Conrad. Now, to be fair, Conrad wasn't around very much in my story. But I didn't get much of their relationship. Or at least much that was interesting. Yeah, Conrad turned out to be probably the best character um yeah that's unfortunate (laughs) well yeah i mean he um he's the one that gets beat up the most i mean like when he tries to escape and gets caught they beat the crap out of him i even had him like they they cut off a sliver of his ear Mm. like he was he was busted all to hell by the end of this game um but he turns out to be kind of like the the jokester of the whole yeah. thing, yep. The jokester and the rogue, yeah. But so um, I, I don't know. I, I mean, there was nothing offensive about the characters, but I didn't ever have an attachment to any of them. And to me, that maybe that was you know in a game that's in a game that's narrative. I think that that that's kind of a problem. And in a game where you you've gone the extra step and really tied those psychological horrors to the character, that's brilliant. I mean, that's perfect. And that's a way you can really reveal the characters and really dive into what you know what makes them tick, what what's the thing that they're afraid of. Uh, but th- there, there just needed to be something more for me that to tie that together, like like Julia seeing the, you know, seeing the Alexes. If there was more time diving into her uncertainties about the relationship, or you know, maybe she doesn't feel like she knows him and and she's not sure, you know, if this is just another side of him. You know, they, they could have really dove into that and that would have been a really nice psychological event, 
you know, evaluation of what, of what, what makes her tick, but that just wasn't there. I mean, maybe it was hinted at, but it, it just was not really fully explored. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I thought it was a really good game as a superficial game. Like I would have loved to see two or three more hours of this game to get to know the characters better, to have the characters be better. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's that's kind of my over overriding sense is that I liked what was there. I just wished that there was more meat on the bones. Yeah. And then you got the um, the small little teaser for Little Hope at the end. Mm. So are you excited for Little Hope? Yeah, uh, yeah, I certainly am. Uh, I I don't know where I expect it to fall, right? Like, I, I guess I kind of expect it to, to be more like Man of Madon, but I, I don't see that as at all as a bad thing like i just i want more just like this like i i don't you know i i can i can set myself up now with the expectation that it is a, a little bit smaller scope but maybe i won't get you know won't get the elaborate story but as long like if if little hope can be as good as man of madon but with one or two really good characters i would i would i would love it and that's all i want out of that th- these games Right. Just give me more like this, but different, and with it, you know at least a good hook of a character, and, and I'm in. From what I understand, Little Hope is. <laughs> I I compared it to Jeepers Creepers two. <laughs> Apparently, a, a high school um, football team. Somebody, it's it's like a, a high school bus breaks down, and. They're out in the middle of nowhere at this little town called Little Hope. And apparently stuff goes down there. Yep. Already in. Yep. Either crazy locals or monsters or something. So I'm in as well. So hopefully we won't have to wait too long for that one. Actually, let me look. Just out of curiosity. I'm still seeing the day before Halloween. Maybe I'm missing a more recent article here. It's claiming October 30th of 2020. Little hope. So do you think that they're going to do anything more meta? Uh, I haven't heard how many episodes they're planning for this. Have you? I think they said they were going to do four altogether. Four? Yeah, I, I just kind of guessed four, but... Do you think they'll do anything to tie them together, or do you think everyone will stay, you know, other than maybe the curator, or do you think that they'll all stay separate? I would assume they're going to stay separate. Yep. I was just going to say, I I think that would help elevate it if they tied it together somehow, but they don't need to, and I think, you know, just, just given the the scope I think they would keep it I think they would keep it separate right oh I think I know who this kid is in Little Hope yeah he's the guy from Bandersnatch I think yeah is that yeah 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 okay yeah 
Isn't he the kid that, or the guy that's from uh, Midsummer as well? Yep. Yep. Yeah, he's in Midsummer. That's what I was thinking. The Orang Madan, that's or Madan, that's the name of the ship. Well, there you go. Uh, do not have any bit of a last minute change up. Yeah, anyways. I think it was good. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we did. I, I I hadn't played it before. I had never even started it before. Um. Uh, and I and I enjoy I enjoy this type of game. I mean, I I love Quantic Dreams games. Uh, I I still think that th- that those are some of the best of this type. I think the this holds up well as well. Uh, I wouldn't say it's as good as Quantic Dreams best, and I wouldn't say it's as good as Until Dawn, but it was definitely uh, a fun short little ride. Absolutely, I feel like if they can improve on Man of Medan, I think they got a good thing on their hands. So I'm uh I'm definitely looking forward to it. But um yeah. I think uh I think that's about it. That's all I can think of. So um Matt, you are going to be um traveling the next four weeks. Yep. Well, th- yeah, three, yeah. Not next week, but then the three after. Right. So, you, would you think you'd be down for maybe doing like an intermission show next week? Yep, next week or the week after. I could do I could do either. Okay. We can do that. Or both. Then. I could do both. Yeah. That, that works too. Um, I just feel like starting another game would be kind of hard to do. Yeah. Um, and since we're getting so close to... Episode 100. Still trying to keep everything there for that. Still haven't narrowed that down just yet, but we, we're getting close, I think. Yeah, certainly a good few options. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we'll definitely have to talk about that. In fact, maybe that's a good topic for next week. Yep. When we do the uh, intermission show. But uh, if you would like to send us an email, t- tell us about uh, Man of Badan. I know there were some people who wanted to play along with us, and it was a last-minute change, and I get it. Some people you know, didn't hear it in time and stuff like that, and that's okay. But if you'd like to send us an email how, how your game ended and how you felt about it, please do it. It's uh, drew at ztgd.com. Uh, you can also tweet to us. I am at Drew Leachman, and Matt is at REMGS. The podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. But that's going to be it for us. Um, hopefully that, uh, that spooked, that spooky enough for you for the, uh, the Halloween season. Um, but we are going to continue with our Nightmare Before Christmas on, uh, in December for Dead Space 3. Um, but we will be back, uh, next week. And until then, I am Drew. And I'm Matt. And we're gone. You guys have a great one. We'll be back next week with a little intermission show, maybe discussing what Game 100 may be. Won't you spare me over till another year? Oh, death. Oh, death. Won't you spare me over till another year?
Well, what is this that I can't see with ice cold hands taking hold of me? Well, I am deaf, none can excel. I open the door to heaven or hell. Everybody's looking, trying to find a way out. See them seeing every day what this world's all about. You're realizing that it's hard. You're trying to pick the right path. There's poor people, poor streets inside the neighborhood mass, bearing scars of the past. They keep trying to escape destiny within their eyes. These are the tears of our fate. All these numbers of our lives that we keep trying to equate. They got us living every day. We're in search of that gate. Pray. Someone would pray once you come and call me another day. The children prayed, the preacher preached. Time and mercy is out of your reach. Lo and behold, the pale horse and the rider who decides the fate of one who made a failed choice. With a tail off behind it, the trail's off in the fire that sparked those who don't know they're stuck on a stale course. Yeah, we all face death when it comes to take your breath. Usually without knowing how many days are left Some raise their chest, others cower when it comes Whether you're living in the towers or down in the slums Oh, death, oh, oh, death Won't you spare me over till another year Well, I'll fix your feet till you can't walk I'll lock your door till you can't talk I'll close your eyes till you can't see This very hour come and go with me Heaven's coming, praying it doesn't come late. This is for real, man. It's how I push through my pain. When ass is always falling and death's rain, it's cold outside. Death looked me in my eyes. Hold through these plans, man. We gotta be wise. Hold through together, cause then they will rise. I'm saying peace for all my people that can see through the lies. And can that la la breeze running up her thighs while she's singing? Oh, Take a moment to reflect on Think of all the things in your life that you slept on Or slip through your fingers like Teflon Cause you lost your focus steady thinking about the next dawn Saying that the next dawn you'd make things better But you didn't get a chance to make your reparations Better make some preparations But if you're not ready yet Death comes for all of us my friends So you better get Won't you spare me over to another day? Won't you spare me over to another day?